Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Invest Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and I'm joined today by Josh Plave. Josh is an apartment owner and operator who specializes in helping investors use their retirement funds to passively invest. As a general partner on over 1,500 units across the country, Josh runs Wall to Maine, where he provides education and investment opportunities structured specifically for IRAs, 401ks, and everything in between. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Um, before we jump into this, um, obviously a, a great topic, especially now with the stock market doing what it's doing. But um, you know, kind of take us through, you know, where you started and, and what led you to where you're at now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, you know, I, as you might imagine, I'm a bit young to be kind of talking about retirement accounts and specializing in that kind of um, environment. Um, but I actually have been doing it for about half my life. So I opened up um, a Roth IRA when I was about 16 years old. I'd worked that summer and um, my mother and my grandfather, who are both uh, CPAs, they suggested that I should really start looking out for my future. And that's kind of what got me interested in all this, um, you know, just building stuff for the future. And so I started investing with that IRA. Um, and kind of it was slowly building it up over time. Um, fast forward about 10 years from that point, uh, my mother and my grandfather, who I both yeah, I mentioned, they both unfortunately had passed away. Um, but what they were nice enough to do was leave myself and my sisters with their retirement accounts, you know, stuff they had been earning and building up for their lifetime. It wasn't a life-changing amount of money, but it was enough that I needed to make sure I was going to be a good steward of it. I was going to put it in something stable, not really put it all away on like some, you know, uh, meme stocks and, and popular hot things. So, um, I, I started looking at what I could do, how I could deploy those. I knew at the time I wanted to shift my investments away from the stock market, um, take away a lot of the volatility I was seeing in there uh, and move it into some form of real estate. I eventually landed on multifamily. It's where I, I sit now. Um, and in the process of learning how to do it myself, I ended up um, building a company that helps folks essentially do what I was doing. You take their retirement accounts off of Wall Street, move them onto Main Street, uh, stabilize their income stream in their retirement and um, and make you know use of the, the funds they currently have. Wow. That's awesome. 16-year-old opening a Roth IRA. I love it. Um, awesome. So you have all this experience now. You've obviously, you know, what you said, created wall to Maine. Uh, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, we all know what's what's happening in the economy here and the stock market obviously is down, right? So what is what does your conversation look like with investors, you know, even before, right? Um, you know, let's start with when the stock market's ripping and you know, everybody's having a good time versus, you know, right now. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's interesting because, you know, over time, um, commercial real estate especially has fared really well compared to the stock market. The last three or four years, the stock market was doing like 20, 30% annually. So there was a short period there where it's like, you know, people were wondering why would you move to real estate? But, you know, over a lifetime, it, it, it's the way to go in my mind. Um, 
But, you know, generally when I was first doing it, I kind of was, I'm an analytical person. So I was trying to take a look at kind of, you know, I was 25 at the time, I think. And I was trying to figure out, Hey, over my lifetime, like if I move into maybe not just one asset class, but if I'm really focusing on one thing, what's that going to do? And so I kind of started looking at average annual returns, taking a look at the volatility between both. And I ended up learning that um, multifamily investing is about 58% less volatile than the S&P 500. And so this is kind of how I speak to my investors. Um, I let them know, you know, it's, it's the same situation I'm dealing with with my dad. I like to use his story because he's starting to prepare for his retirement. And so we want to make sure he's not in something that's volatile. So as he goes to retire, his account balance doesn't just plummet. And he certainly saw that, you know, um, when, you know, in the last couple of months, when he hadn't liquidated some of his funds, he had a lot of money in bonds and those started to tank and he, he lost a good amount of money. And so we're trying to avoid those types of things and move him slowly over into a more stable asset class so that when he does need to access the funds, they're there, they can backstop him. He can move off of active income and have a nice passive income stream. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a big one. Um, I know when I worked in the stock market, I had you know retired clients or or close to retirement, and man, if that market dropped, you know that's a lot of stress because you know maybe they're at retirement and income is no longer there, so this is all they have. And watching that slip away is um, you know can be heartbreaking for sure because you know listen, if you don't sell, it's not yet a loss, but you know, they don't have, you know, five, six, 10 more years for the market to potentially recover. Um, you know, and that's where that, that volatile volatility play really can be leveraged. So when it comes to those conversations, are you, you know, maybe if they're a little younger, are you maybe talking to them more about finding some appreciation deals more than cash flow versus, you know, as they reach retirement, you know, maybe switching to cash flow? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's kind of a, a two-pronged approach here. Um, and myself, I, I take a slightly different approach as well um, because I'm younger. Um, most of the properties that we acquire are going to be like a value add type of a, a property. And so they do ultimately cash flow, but there is that component where we can force appreciation and really grow, uh, you know, not just the value of the property, but overall, you know, um, balances for the actual investors. Uh, and so younger folks, yeah, I mean, not only is it going to be more stable, but consistently it's going to, um, you know, outpace the stock market in my mind. Uh, and statistically it does um, by just, you know, we have control over the actual asset. We don't have to be at the whim of, um, you know, maybe a CEO who might, you know, launch a tirade on Twitter and possibly buy them and not buy them and, uh, you know, be at the whim of somebody else. We get to control our own fate, decide what's happening with the asset, push it up and then, you know, sell it to a, you know, the highest bidder. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, obviously, um, you know, we got to get them to the, the self-directed side. So do you work with an affiliate on that end? Uh, no one specific person. I'm, you know, I'm kind of like shifting around and it depends on who's providing good customer service. Now, currently I use a, a company called Reshare Financial. Um, it's run by a CPA named Bernard Reese. And this guy can talk your ear off about all the intricacies and everything. I've had uh, him on just, the pod. He was yeah, great, absolutely. great guest. He's, yeah, I'm sure it was a long one. He's he's very knowledgeable, and so yeah, he sets yeah. up accounts very well, and um, provides some ongoing education for the the space. So I love that that concept and approach he's bringing. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's funny you mentioned him because I'm on his list too. And um, he does, he provides so much information, um, which is obviously, you know, for something like this, really the biggest key is education, right? Because so many people just don't realize they have this power when it comes to their retirement accounts. So um, we mentioned IRAs, 401ks, everything in between. You're working with 1031s as well and kind of all of that. Also just regular investors. Yeah, absolutely. We use, we use cash investors. So we help them as well. 1031. There's no 1031s in the IRA space, but you know, we use 1031s on all of our, uh, you know, we've had a deal that um, that was going recently and uh, we're using 1031 funds there. So um, just another avenue that folks can use to get, you know, involved. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And so on the operation side, um, you know, obviously you guys are acquiring, like you said, you got uh, over 1500 units, anything, you know, obviously a lot changing there, but anything changing for you guys specifically in terms of, you know, maybe some new markets, taking some markets off your list. Uh, let's see, taking markets off our list. Um, you know, the first properties we acquired were in Lubbock, uh, Texas, um, probably scratching those off my list. Um, you know, the things were okay. It's, it was just softer than the rest of the country, you know, when the rest of the country's on its hair and, um, and your assets are, they're still doing well, but they're not doing as well as other places. You realize there's going to be more opportunity somewhere else. Um, we're recently now moving into the Chattanooga, Tennessee market. Um, I just recently moved wet or east, and when I was doing so, I was considering um, three places, Charlotte, Asheville, and Chattanooga. It's a great place for families, and so we see a lot of consistent growth there. There's tons of like family activities to, to do, and so um, like that growing market, it's small. There's a lot of... Um, there's limited supply, uh, limited you know new new builds as well, um, and so we we buy kind of all across the southeast. We're heavy in the Sarasota, Bradenton, uh, Southwest Florida market, um, and that's kind of like between there, Atlanta, and Chattanooga. That's essentially where we're looking right now. Nice. Yeah, we were talking offline about you know I'm potentially going to be moving. Chattanooga is actually one of the places also um, on my radar. Um, you know, obviously great market also logistically for, for the other markets, like we had mentioned. And, you know, it, it's crazy to, to hear it being mentioned now amongst operators because, you know, I, I've had some family there, you know, like my whole life. And so I've been there a couple of times and it was, you know, small town. And now you're hearing it mentioned with some of these top operators and you're just like, wow, place is blowing up, um, which is awesome to see. And so, um, you know, in terms of the asset multifamily, are you guys really that C-class value add, everything in between? Yeah, we're starting, we originally started off in C-class. Um, now that we're seeing, there was a lot of cap rate compression where um, you're starting to pay high dollar amounts for every door uh, in comparison between a C and a B. And when you're only paying a small premium to go up to a B and you're paying a lot to get a C, uh, we're really trying to move into that B and above you know, territory until maybe C's kind of cool off a bit. They also are going to have, in my mind, the, the largest struggle with... Um, with collections going forward, if there's any kind of uh, issue with, with unemployment and everything. So um, yeah, we're moving into the B's and the A's, anything with a really, you know, a value add component. We do a lot of interior renovations, um, exterior we do as well, but uh, it, it's the same business plan essentially copied across multiple assets. And so it's easy to execute in our minds. Yeah, absolutely. And are you guys vertically integrated property management in house as well, or? No, no, we use uh, at least, 
usually about two different uh, property managers on across a multiple, you know, mo- most of our properties. Um, and uh, yeah, the, we're, we're not specialized in-house. I'd rather let, you know, somebody who's uh, an expert on that handle it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't blame you there, but you know, I, I feel like a lot of times the in-house property management comes when you just can no longer find good property management. And, you know, oh, yeah. as long as you have a good partner, um, you know, very invaluable, of course, especially if you're, if you're getting into new markets, you know, maybe they have, you know, a presence there already. So as we move forward, as things are a little uncertain, you know, obviously I'm sure now more than, you know, is this a time now where you're having more conversation, more people reaching out about their retirement accounts? Yeah, it's, um, definitely it's, it's an interesting dynamic you know a lot a lot more people are reaching out because they are looking for other places to to you know, chase returns um and so they want they're looking around but i will say there's a lot more people who are now more tepid you know people are um, a lot more fearful of any kind of investment right now and uh, even if cash is is kind of the return on that is dwindling away because of inflation i'm finding a lot more people are actually holding on to their cash and uh, it's not it's definitely becoming more difficult to raise capital right now um even if i'm seeing more people reach out uh they're curious they're interested and they definitely like the concept they're either waiting for a different opportunity or different time down the road or they're you know they're just maybe a little um cautious right now yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing the exact same thing. Any, are you getting any specifics as to what they're waiting for? Because that's one of my big questions, you know, because one thing I, I like to say is, you know, it's fine, right? I, I understand, you know, you, you want to kind of see, but, you know, if, if you're really paying attention, you know that, you know, things aren't going to change in, in three months, right? Six months. And if you wait too long, then it becomes, now I have no idea how to get in. So anything specifically that they think they're waiting for? I mean, honestly, on the retail investor side, um, you know, they're not like big institutions who have these like really set metrics. I think there's maybe a small subclass of of investors who do have that sort of thing. Um, But even, I mean, myself and, you know, pretty much every retail investor, you know, just individual themselves, we might think we we invest based on metrics and, and numbers and everything everybody invests on emotion at the core level. And so I don't think folks are kind of targeting a specific time or a specific, you know, uh, KPI in the economy that they're saying, okay, now's, now's the time I'm going to start investing again. It's all, you know, based on feel for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And as much as we, we, like you said, want to, want to act like it's, it's based on all of these dynamics, because really when you break it down, you know, if you lined up five, top operators in the Southeast markets, the returns are pretty much identical, right? Which means you can really kick the can down the road and find that, you know, six, 8% return, you know, yada, yada. And so it really becomes, you know, that emotional, uh, no like, and trust, um, you know, with who you choose. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the right approach. All right. Yeah. I love it. Well, this has been awesome. Really appreciate the, the insight here. I know, um, retirement accounts, you know, really just got to get the word out and, uh, hopefully more people, um, can figure it out. So we'll jump to the final five here. Uh, first question, best advice you've gotten from a mentor. Oh, wow. Um, I honestly, I, it, 
it's not just mentors, but it's also books. A lot of people point towards this one direction. It's focused on one thing. You know, um, when I first got into the business, I was focusing on like a lot of stuff. I was trying to acquire deals, raise capital, um, shadow people, maybe wholesale and flip. I don't know. I was, I was all over the place. And when I started focusing, you know, very specifically on building out, you know, my, my self-directed retirement company who was helping folks invest in multifamily, raising capital. I specialized in one thing and I can give hundred percent to one thing. And once I kind of master that or get it to a level where it's running itself, I can then focus on another topic. And that might take a few years, but I'm totally okay with that because I'm setting myself up for a lot of success down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all guilty of that, especially in the beginning, right? Because you, you may have your uh, you know, site set on something and then, you know, maybe you read a book or listen to a podcast and, you know, the guest is successful in this thing and you're like, oh, well, maybe I should try that too, you know? And so you really can be spread too thin and then nothing actually, you know, comes to fruition. Uh, what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? Uh, I mean, it's, it, I, as you might see from my background, if, for those who are listening, I'm just in my I'm in a bedroom that is now converted to an office in my house. So, I, I mean, I have a one and a half year old. I get to be with her every single day. Um, I have a lot of things that are automated that help run my business. And so like the, the story I like to tell is the day she was born, uh, we were in the hospital for, you know, about 48 hours. And by the time I got out, I had actually gotten pinged from two or three different investors who had signed up and wanted to get in touch and set up phone calls and everything. So I knew that I, everything I had built was in place and people were able to see, you know, reach me. Um, they were able to see the value that we're providing without me having to necessarily be there specifically, um, you know, uh, providing touch points for them. I could get on the phone afterwards. Um, and so it allows me to have a much more fulfilled family life and just be around and more um, available to my, to my family. Gosh, I love that so much. That's so awesome. And congratulations on, on the baby. I'm sure. Um, Sure, that's been amazing, especially being able to be be present, like you said. Yeah. Uh, favorite non real estate or investment related book? Um, okay, so the one I I would say has been most impactful. That's actually changed recently. Um, so I guess it's non real estate. It's business related. I read most of you know things are either business or self help or something. And um, the most recent one was Who Not How. And so it really is focusing on instead of you taking care of the work, you find someone who's an expert, kind of like what I was saying, a property manager, even though I'd like to bring that in-house someday, um, finding someone who's an expert before, you know, you can tackle that concept expertly by yourself um, is really important. Uh, the The line that kind of got the, it, it imprinted itself in my mind the most was you're buying other people's time. So you get time yourself because you are taking other people's time to fulfill whatever project that you've got in mind and you can help, you know, they can help you achieve whatever your dreams are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> when I first signed up for, for my mastermind, that was the book that came in the care package. And you know, it's, it's a easy read, but so powerful, you know, especially when you get to the part, like you just said, where you realize that you can actually multiply your time by, you know, delegating these tasks, which, you know, as entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, that can definitely be the most challenging part is letting go of, of that control. Yeah. That's why it was so good for me. Cause I'm a thousand percent guilty of the, of the how syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are for sure. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh man, 
any superpower. Um, I, I mean, I guess it would be that it would be the ability to take my hands off. Um, I really like figuring stuff out. I have a very curious mind. And so I do a lot of my own marketing. I try to figure out how I can you know, build stuff. And uh, I just, I genuinely, I know it's kind of an extension of the last one. I want the superpower to be able to just sit back and, uh, and find the right people uh, who can take care of everything for me. I love it. Uh, awesome. Last one. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and learn more? Yeah. Um, so I provide a lot of uh, education and uh, kind of help people understand what the returns are after, um, uh, you know, there's a certain tax associated with investing with self-directed IRAs. Um, so I offer uh, a calculator that can help, you know, uh, solve all of that. So if you go to ubitcalculator.com, U-B-I-T calculator.com, uh, that'll show you kind of like how you can uh, understand what what you're getting into if you decide to invest with an IRA and uh, in multifamily. Awesome. We'll link that in the show notes, make it super easy. Josh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.